Now, it's a climb to the top. Stories of transformation with Chuck Garcia. Chuck Garcia has climbed some of the world's highest peaks. Chuck Garcia. He's an executive coach. He's a professor at Columbia, LIU. He climbs mountains. He does it all. Chuck Garcia. Yesterday, I was clever and wanted to change the world. Today, I am wise and want to change myself. I'm Chuck Garcia. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. Every Sunday, we feature individuals from all walks of life who have overcome adversity, career challenges, and life's unexpected obstacles. With each guest, we discuss their tale of transformation that helped them to climb their personal mountains of happiness and success. Stories from A Climb to the Top inspire, motivate, and help ignite your transformation so that you may help others to ignite theirs. Keep listening to Talk Radio 77 WABC or wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to subscribe and review this podcast and tell us what you think and leave a five-star review. And now, Chuck Garcia. John Krakauer is an author, a mountaineer, and wrote some wonderful books that I have learned a lot from. One of them is called Into Thin Air, which inspired me to become a mountaineer. But I read that first, followed by a book he had written previously called Into the Wild. And if you haven't read the book or seen the movie, do them both. But what I loved about Into the Wild, it provided insight into the reader or the viewer of the movie into how we make our decisions. And the story focused on a gentleman in his younger 20s who lived in the southeast of the United States had recently graduated from college and was considering graduate school. But he made a different kind of decision. And he made a decision to say, I'm going to leave all of that behind. I'm going to go to Alaska, and I'm going to live in the wild. And the theme of the story had to do with how we make our decisions, when we make our decisions, and the implications as to our age, and it's important in the decision-making model. And what he talked about is in our 20s, If we were going to drop everything and move to Alaska, we would think about we have a 97% chance that we're going to survive the wild. Yet, Krakauer talked about if we made the same decision in our 40s, we would look at it from a different lens and we would say, we have a 3% chance of dying, and yet we don't do it. And because of that, the difference between 20s and 40s can be huge. I say that because I want to introduce someone who provides insight into decision-making model and is our guest today. I'm Chuck Garcia. Welcome to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation on Talk Radio 77 WABC. Our guest today is B. Ray. B. is a professional speaker. She is an executive and has run many companies, but she is here today to share insights and stories into her transformation. B. Welcome to A Climb to the Top. Hey, Chuck. Thank you. So happy to be here. It's great to have you here. B, warm us up to your background. Tell us, where'd you grow up uh, and what led you into ultimately your 20s where your decision-making model really took over? Well, thank you. Uh, I like to say I'm from wherever you're from. I grew up in 13 homes, New Jersey, Ohio, California, St. Louis, Virginia, Um, always coming back to the Southeast. My parents both went to Savannah High School, and so that our heart was in spending holidays um, on the Carolina coast. Hmm. Yet, 
I know there's some New Yorker in you. <laughs> I can't get, get a Jersey girl? Well, I am a Jersey girl. Uh, spent my high school years in Red Bank, New Jersey. Uh, but I speak like a Yankee because in third grade, I had to miss recess on Wednesdays in Ohio because I they didn't like my Southern accent. So I had speech class instead of recess. I'm oh. still catching up on fun in life as a result. Oh, uh, yeah. You got to make up for lost <laughs> time. Well, B, ultimately, um, you went to school in the Southeast. You ultimately went to graduate school at Harvard Business School. Tell us about the evolution of your career. What happened after college and where did it take you? Well, it's interesting you started with John Krakauer and you started with a story of Into the Wild because I actually, uh, all those years in those 13 homes, my mom talked about back to Atlanta, back to Atlanta, her roots. So the only college I applied to was Emory University and I went to Atlanta and I was in Chris McCandless's class in 1990 graduating from college in the same year that he did. Wow, small world. Yeah, and so, what a fascinating, sad tale. Well, it is an interesting story, and of course it's one I followed very closely, although um, I never knew him there, and no one I knew knew him. He really did keep to himself. Well, it was interesting because as you and I, we've talked about our own transformations. You know, you talked about the decision-making models and how you decided on things in your life, those inflection points. Walk us through your 20s. Where, and, and in particular, I'd like to focus on where did your transformations occur in there? Uh, they always moved back to me depending on myself as an individual. Um, but what initially happened was I've always loved psychology. I had a psychology as well as political science degree. I thought I would go on to psychology grad school. I did a research project my senior year at Emory and really dove in and thought this is where I'm headed. And what happened was I hated it. I disliked how inconclusive it was. I thought no one will enjoy this thesis, but I had to go defend it. I went in front of the three senior professors and I talked about my research over the last six months and was perfectly certain I would walk away with a failed grade. And that would have been fine, but it would have meant not graduating with honors or high honors or highest honors. And so when I walked in there, they loved it. And I received a summa cum laude degree from Emory. And it was interesting because what happened to me at that inflection point was, if you like this, I have to go somewhere else. And so my success, I have any air quotes, um, of that project was what actually launched me into entrepreneurship is because... Um, I just needed results more quickly, more conclusively. I didn't want to get into a world where I was researching and maybe seven years later after the right kind of subjects, we might be able to make a inconclusive um, submission or uh, idea that we could maybe prove. That was not what I wanted to do. I wanted to go build a business and know that I was building it. Yet while you were building your business, you found marriage, yes. love, marriage, yeah. children, and I suspect that must have had an impact into the decisions you made. So talk sure. about in the 90s as you emerged, you married children. I know there are some lessons to be learned that I think anyone who is having it all, so to speak, encounters. Walk us through what happened. Well, right um, in my 90s, I did um, help start a few companies, and I ended up in Silicon Valley and... Um, I had always wanted to go to business school. And I remember one time a friend from Emory, I was so proud of myself. I said, Jeannie, I've decided within two years I'm going to go to business school. And she goes, 
B, you say that every two years. <laughs> thought, well, yeah, but this thanks. time I mean it. <laughs> <laughs> well, luckily, uh, this time I did keep up with it. And just like I had only applied to Emory, at, at that time in the mid-90s, Harvard Business School was the only school in the country that didn't require the GMAT. And I had a lot of insecurities about these major tests. And so I thought Harvard must be the easiest school to get into. And I applied. And um, if, if you don't know what Delta Dash is, it's you know when FedEx is too late. But I had read somewhere that Harvard cares about you caring about going to that school. So I applied one year, not because I thought I would get in. I just wanted to demonstrate the following year hey, I applied last year, I must really love this place. So I submitted an application at 9 p.m. I was on a business trip in Utah. I drove to the Delta Dash counter in the um, Salt Lake City airport and submitted my application, never expecting to get in, just expecting to reapply the next year. And I actually was accepted in the class of 1997. And um, that was a big change for me, and that was pretty exciting. It must have been, because at that time, you ultimately led you to a TED Talk, where your TED Talk, you juxtaposed the lessons learned between what I learned in business school and what I learned from my children. And while that TED Talk is available, I'd like to explore the children part of it, because I think there's some really important lessons for our listeners to dial into. You were married, and you had children. There were some challenges along the way in the marriage that were probably unexpected. And often, when you have problems in one part of your life, could they potentially spill into the professional side of your life? It's all connected. Help us to understand what you were going through and the experience, which is the name we give to our mistakes that you learned along the way. Well, you're right. I do think... For me, Harvard Business School was an incredible education. I do believe that certainly you learn about business, uh, but Harvard does a great job of setting up how to learn about people skills. Harvard puts, there's so much more work there than any one person can handle that you're sort of forced into these study groups and you meet every morning and so you have to depend on each other. And so Harvard does a great, and then there's the case study method where you're learning more from the hour and 15 minutes of your 79 other classmates than you are the 15 minutes that the professor speaks. So the, the structure of the school and many, many things are all about guess what? This life is about people. This is about relationships. This is about motivation. This is about setting a vision. And so as much as Harvard does a great job teaching those things, as I later experienced, when I thought about what do I really know in business and what do I do that's successful, whenever I looked back on skills that I had, where did I get them? For me, it was by being a mom. It was being a parent. Um, I actually had the privilege of taking six years off to be home alone with my children. And so when I went back, I'd lost all confidence for a business. You know, could I succeed? Could I deliver anything of value? And it was at that point that my career took off. It was shocking to me and wonderful. And that's when I started asking, what am I doing here? What's going well? And over and over again, something that I relied on that I was bringing to the table in my business was actually something that I learned because 
I had to negotiate with a two-year-old or I had to coordinate with a neighborhood having to do with my children. And so for me, my children have taught me more or being a mother has taught me more than actually the degree from Harvard Business School. Well, it's interesting because sometimes you talk about with marriage, sometimes there is a stigma and God forbid you put your married on, on LinkedIn. Yeah. Yet to you, it was a tremendous gift of what you could bring into your business world. Well, certainly my family life was what I could bring into my business world. And I think there's differences for men versus women. There's actually a um, daddy bump or there, there's a term for the fact that men who have children are actually paid more than their father, than their um the peers that are not fathers, whereas women, there's a decline, and I don't. That's something I'm, I'm not an expert in. But what I have under, what I assume is happening is that there's an assumption. Oh, you're a mom, you might not be fully committed. You might take the day off. Uh, my experience is the opposite: is that moms really learn to articulate, uh, do two things at once, have to be very strategic, and make excellent employees, business partners, etc. You're listening to A Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation, on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia, and my guest today is B. Ray. B, I appreciate all that you're saying, and uh, let's go to a slightly different place. I know many of our listeners often hear about what are the mistakes we make, and what did we learn about ourselves? I know as you relate, and it's probably a book in here, as you relate some of those mistakes, walk us through, at least in your marriage, for all of those who are contemplating getting married or in it, help us understand some of the mistakes that you made along the way that we can learn from. Well, sure. Thank you for that opportunity. I did. I was married. I, I'm actually remarried now, but I, I did have a marriage of 18 years that failed. And there's so many mistakes there. The, the summary for me about ways I wish I had behaved differently is that I said things in tones I wish I never knew. So, so th I think that's something a lot of us can relate to is um, just being careful about building relationships up and not tearing them down. So, so that, that is something that I felt was in my relationship. As far as my personal growth, um, there was really a lot of challenges in our marriage. We had a blessed 27 days a month for most of 15 years, but three days were atrocious and scary, and um, there was mental illness and financial devastation, and, and I really walked away finally after years of thinking he would hit rock bottom, I had hit rock bottom. Um, that looked like lumps in my breast, that looked like a child that was talking about suicide, another one that had an eating disorder, and one that was running away from school. So we were in a crisis, and one huge make, mistake was letting that happen. You know, I kept waiting. Everyone said, oh, he'll hit rock bottom, then you'll be able to work things out. And that's not at all what happened in my situation. And did you turn for help? I did. That's another mistake. I assumed... Um, it's interesting. A book that I'm actually have also been working on is called Scripture Backwards, and it comes from a preface of a story that most of us know about the Good Samaritan. And um, the Good Samaritan, or uh, a man, is walking along, and he's um, beaten up on the side of the road. And the the story is largely to encourage all of us to be a Good Samaritan. 
I think of that story backwards now because at that, when I read that story, it gave me hope that where we expect help to come from, in that case, it was the Levite or it was the priest, sometimes that's not where help comes from. And help will come as long as you wait and you're faithful. And so that story to me paralleled what was happening in my own life. I thought my church would help me. I thought our family, really his family, would help me. So to me, I parallel that with the Levite and the priest. And in that time frame, what I learned is, oh, I'm the person in the ditch, and I need to have hope that help will come. And indeed, later, all sorts of unsuspecting friends, business partners were able to pull us out and let me start my life again and get through some of that $700,000 worth of debt and launch, relaunch my career. But one of the mistakes I made was pouring into and expecting help from places that I that did not turn out wow, to Wow, that helpful. was interesting. So the places you expected would help didn't, mm-hmm. and places you didn't expect came through. Did it test your faith throughout the process? I'm sure my faith was tested. Um, on the other hand, faith is the most real thing I have. And it's one thing I never let go of. And it, my faith grew more in that process than it uh, deteriorated. But my faith was more in God, not in the church. Right, that's interesting. But faith in God, and how about faith in yourself? Because there were, oh, I'll never get into Harvard, and you did. Uh, Entrepreneur, I might fail, and God knows we do along the way. You know, how were you feeling throughout all of this? Well, I've been very blessed, and I, um, one of the things I actually didn't tell you is when I got accepted to Harvard, I declined. (laughs) You didn't mention that. (laughs) Harvard. So um, I received a note. I was um, running a sales division for our company on the West Coast at the time. I was the, sell, the West Coast sales manager. And the chairman of the board, a guy named John, came to me and he said, B, you've been ex- accepted to the most exclusive club, to a very exclusive club. I said, what's that? He said, Harvard Business School. And, and then he said, I want to invite you to be part of a more exclusive club. And I said, John, what are you talking about? And he said, those who decline Harvard (laughs) Business School. And I said, you're crazy. That'll never happen. Um, And two weeks later, after meeting with the rest of the board, I moved from the junior sales manager of the West Coast to being CEO of the company. Hmm. Uh, And I declined Harvard um, two years late. And I, I flew out and talked to them. But I did not get deferred. It had to be a decline. And so two years later, I had to reapply all new essays, and now I had to actually take that GMAT test, which was the thing I had most feared and was the reason I had chosen Harvard. So I went back to that story, uh, one, because yes, there are things in my life I didn't expect that I could do, and yet I was able to do them. Mm -hmm. And two, because time and time again, I've had an opportunity to uh, exercise some muscle and you know, crawl my way through opportunities. And it always tends to put me in a place that was beyond what I could have imagined. 
You mean that in a good way? Yes, I mean that in a good way. Because what, what you're speaking of, B, is really the conditioning along the way. Mm-hmm. You know, we all take punches. You learn to develop a thicker skin. You learn to get comfortable more within yourself, recognizing the rest of the world has certain expectations. But you've got kids to raise. You have a career. You have a marriage. All of that takes its toll. Yet you seem to continue to find a way to come out of that and to be your wonderful, cheerful self. Well, thank you. Um, One of the things people have said to me a long time is, um, I don't understand how you do all that you do and how you do it with a smile. And my only answer is I could never do it with a frown. Right. You know, gratitude and cheer give us the energy to face the day. Um, And it's like saying, drive your car without the gas. Yeah. You know, I, I could never do that. Um, but you're right. I mean, I, I truly believe, you know, my heart is broken that my marriage failed, uh, that my the child, my children's father is not my husband. On the other hand, I was I received a great gift. I was able to love someone that didn't love me back. And I truly believe that that exercise, the muscle that I gained from that, the way I had to I had to force myself into gratitude. I had to force myself into pulling the britches up and getting ready for the day and putting a cheerful smile on in a way that that daily grind for the 10 years that I went back to that marriage has taught me how to live the rest of my life. And every single day, something happens with a business partner, with a child, with a a co-parent on the basketball team that the old me would have gotten flustered with. The old me would have turned a tiny problem into a bigger problem. And now I have a little bit of that muscle is stronger and I'm able to smile and make the most of situations. Um, And had I not had that experience, I would not be the person I am today. You're bringing in, it sounds like the evolution of the crack hour story. You know, your 20s, your 30s, your 40s, the decisions we make at 20, when you reflect at 40 and you look back, how could I have made that decision? So you learned along the way, did you not? Each With each passing year, you just got better at this decision-making. I hope so. Yeah, I'd like to think so. In the time remaining, we want to be sure that we leave our listeners and our reviewers with certain takeaways. And it seems to me, I really reflect very much on your Harvard experience. I want to do this in two different phases. The first phase, getting back a bit to our original story, is what Harvard taught you when you talk about in your TED Talk. And I want to keep it in the rule of three. Is it Harvard taught you or your kids taught you? Where does the juxtaposition appear between each of them? So... The, the essence of what Harvard taught me is that it turns out business is done with people, so people skills matter. Mm-hmm. And what I learned is that the best place for me to learn people skills was by raising my children. Cool. And so my over and over again, if you can get the people right, whether it's your team, whether it's your clients, whether it's your business partners, your business will go great. And my children have taught me more about people skills than 
any other place than, than my work experience, than my Harvard experience, than anything. Um, there are three main things they have taught me, and those really are that if I can bring humor, that if I can be cheerful, and most importantly, if I can be grateful, then we're going to make the most of any situation. Yeah, so that, that's certainly the takeaways about how you present yourself to the world. Cheerful. Gratitude, it reciprocates and bringing a sense of humor. Sounds like there's a book in here. What are you thinking about <laughs> for the future, B? I am actually working on a book very specifically about things that Harvard has taught me uh, and what my children have made me learn. Um, it's a lot more than those three, but mm -hmm. it, we really go through everything from strategic planning. And I'll bring in a story about. Uh, decisions we make as a family about what basketball team my son should play on at a certain age and how that impacts the long-term ability for him to play basketball. And I parallel that to a business uh, decision that we make in what products we choose. And so th that is a book I'm working on. It's coming out in the next couple months. And um, it's really been a fun experience. Yeah. Well, the the book, though, must be the culmination of all of this experience, or does it focus on a particular point in time? It's a culmination of all of the experience. You know, I sort of go through things that are most important, like uh, negotiation and uh, strategic planning and, and kind of go through... Uh, what I think are 16 important lessons to know as an entrepreneur, mm -hmm. and then I'll pull in business experience, parenting experience, and Harvard Business School lessons. And who is the book written for? Mostly female entrepreneurs, not exclusively, but those are the people I've served the most. And I actually find that men love when I speak and they get uh, a lot out of it. I get great feedback. However, I don't find that most men buy books written by women. And so there's something there for them should they want it. Um, but I also think it's women that feel more stress. They, it's women that belittle their own accomplishments. It's women that do um, a less lesser job of leveraging their experience. So I, I'm sure you've read that if there's a job offering, uh, men will typically apply for a job, even if they only have 24% of the experience, women need 85% of the experience. And, and so that the book is largely speaking to that point, is to say, you have experience, you don't even, you're not even giving yourself credit for. So right. let's talk about that. Let's relate to that. And let's encourage you to stretch farther, to reach beyond, and to know your own value. Yeah, no, it's, that's great insight, B. Um, let's leave our listeners with the fundamental question that I always ask. What do we want our listeners to think? What do we want them to feel? And what do we want them to do after they hit the off button on this show? So let's go back to it. B, what do you want our listeners to think about their lives? Well, I want them to think that the, the possibilities are endless and they have the power to accomplish whatever it is that they really set their mind to do. And what do you want them to feel? I want them to feel great about experiences, not that they may someday get, but that they already have. I want them to look and feel great about uh, relationships and things they've already overcome and see where they can leverage them. And then with the last one, the action, what do you want them to do? Is to get started. Right. <laughs> Is to get started. You know, the obstacle is the thing you see when you take your mind off of your goals. Don't wait for everything to be perfect. Yeah, get going. Just started. Well, B, it has been a real pleasure. Thank uh, you thank so you. much for coming on to the show. Absolute delight. Thank you, John. You have listened to Climb to the Top, Stories of Transformation. 
on Talk Radio 77 WABC. I'm Chuck Garcia. I thank you for tuning in. See you next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.